Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at clearme.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. Recently, I traveled to Greece to sit down with two of the bigger players in the travel industry, the chairman and CEO of Royal Caribbean, Richard Fain, and the Minister of Tourism of Greece, Harry Theo Harris. Both were on board the new Silver Sea cruise ship, the Silver Moon. And in these extended conversations, both talk about what they had to do, what they refused to do, what they wanted to do, and yes, what they actually did to get ready to get ready, to prepare for the resumption of cruising and for the resumption of tourism in general, their wins as well as their losses. First up, Richard Fain. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
Let's go back 18 months ago. You were coming off a great year, 2019. Industry poised for even more growth. New ships coming out of the shipyards at an unprecedented rate. Not just you, but every other company. Nothing prepared you for this, did it? No, nothing in my life or my career has prepared me for this or any of us. It's been just devastating. And uh, as you point out, we started on such a high note and to go from that wonderful plateau to where we are today uh, is, um, is very disappointing. Not only for us in the industry, but so many people suffered. Obviously, we tend to be focused on what we do day to day, but the suffering has been horrific across the board. And the U.S. and Europe have come out relatively well, but you look at some of these other places and it's just heartbreaking. You know, people forget the process that goes into any corporation or company. You know, you ask kids where food comes from, they tell you the store, that's not really the case. So when a cruise line basically stops operations in a situation like this, it's not just the employees, it's not just the staff, it's not just the passengers, it's the people who drive buses, it's the people who catch the fish that, that, that end up getting served at dinner. I mean, nobody really understood all the connectivity until this happened. Um, and the, the impact has just been across the board to so many people. Um, and, and actually, we, we rely on a lot of small businesses, uh, travel advisors, uh, stevedores, uh, as you say, bus drivers. Um, and all of them, the knock-on effect is terrible. And the knock-on effect from them. And so the devastation across the board has just been, just been heart-wrenching to so many people. And have you ever been able to put a number on it? Um, well, the industry has measured that just in the United States, uh, the cruise industry is responsible for 740,000 American jobs. But internationally, it's, it's obviously even greater. And I don't know that that measures the full extent. You know, I've been to your offices, and like many corporations, you have a crisis center, you have a <laughs> command center. You've got contingency plans. I've seen all the loose leaf notebooks of what to do if. You didn't have one for this. Um, and you know, I, I went to a business school, actually a fairly decent business school, and they just didn't have a course in how to manage a corporation with zero revenue. Um, there was, nobody ever imagined something of this, of severity. And uh, we just weren't prepared for it. And we had to do make up the rules as we went along. Um, we also found that nobody else had either. So the governments did not have plans for things like this. The health authorities, the, um, the, the people, our partners didn't. So we all had to work together. The one thing that was actually encouraging coming out of this was how much people did work together. Um, I was, I'm, I'm so impressed, I'm so grateful to the effort that our people went through, the endless nights, the endless days of trying to figure out ways through this thicket. And uh, the result is that we've come through uh, as a company, as an industry, um, and not only when I say as an industry, not only the cruise lines, but all the other people that rely on us, the travel advisors, the, the, the services, uh, the farmers, everybody has come through shockingly well, uh, given the horrificness of the, of the circumstance. But we do have to recover now because we can't keep going like this. Yeah, but the optics going back to day one were that, was that nobody really was working together. That was what everybody was thinking. Nobody was working together. You're almost operating across purposes. Well, there was a huge confusion. There isn't any crisis. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uh, really strange things happening. I mean, if you go back, um, the CDC was recommending that we not wear face masks. Um, the uh, uh, the number of testing in the United States was a few dozen testing a day, whereas um, today we're doing a million, two million, three million a day. Um, it was, we were totally unprepared. Um, we, the thought was, if you have a case on board, isolate the whole ship and keep everybody together. I mean, so many of these things, when you look back, are saying, well, it's exactly the opposite of what we should have done, but we've learned. We, we put our heads together, and while it may have seemed disjointed, and obviously it had to be, uh, especially because we're all working from isolated circumstances, gradually the science came to the fore, 
and the science guided us. Science didn't answer the question, but it guided us through the th thicket. It provided the background. Of course, I remember the optics, as do so many others, your, your passengers and the passengers of other cruise lines, of a ship being quarantined in Yokohama, other ships being unable to come to, to a dock with either sick or dying passengers. And those are such indelible images that are still being thought of today. I mean, you've got your work cut out for you in terms of turning the public around. Well, and it, it, it is a 180 degree shift because 18 months ago, 17 months ago, we really, we as an industry, the cruise industry, was the poster child of what could go wrong or what the risks were. At least that was the perception, if not the reality. And um, what we set out to do was say, wait a minute, all the things that people are criticizing as potential risk factors can really be advantages. The cruise industry can not only do as well as other, can not only overcome the problems, but it can, it can set an example. It can be the one that shows how this can be done right. And so we've gone from uh, the cruise industry being one of the most dangerous things you can do in people's perceptions to today the fact is that cruising can be one of the safest places to be and that's a dramatic change it's because we worked on this in a scientific and constructive way but now we do have to do a better job of getting that message across so you did follow the science there are so many things you were in compliance with along the way a lot of it recommended by the CDC but it was not just uh, procedural changes, it was design changes. It was, I mean, literally installation of different equipment. Well, um, we assembled a healthy sail panel along with Norwegian Cruise Line. Which is an un unusual situation because you partnered with a competitor. We partnered with a competitor and one whose thought process was different than our own. But we had the same objective. We wanted to make cruising safer than a land-based vacation. And so we worked together. We assembled a team of... I mean, talk about superstars. We had um, uh, the previous head of the Health and Human Services, ex-CDC director, previous head of FDA. We had engineers. We had scientists, epidemiologists, virologists. Um, we had so many ists, I don't even know how to pronounce them all. And But they were, in each case, they were the tops of their field, and they worked together. They thought this was extraordinary because we work together in a way to be successful and they put a, a degree of effort into it that I was absolutely shocked about um, and so um, and they gave us guidance on how to change the air filtration system how to change the medical center I mean very very detailed oriented very progressive thought processes so some of them were serious physical changes some of them were serious physical so we changed uh, the, uh, the air conditioning system significant changes to filtration to prevent any transmission um, wonderful jobs they did uh, with the, the medical center how we could make that better and more effective um, so all of the kinds of things, um, how, how we, we clean things, et cetera. So, um, and we started from a high, very high standard. You know, the cruise industry had the, the highest cleanliness standards of any place you can think of. And we, um, and we said, well, how do we take it to one, one step above that? So it was a very positive process and it was a collaborative process. And I think that's one of the problems at the beginning. In the beginning, people, scientists were acting on their own and in individual ideas. And gradually we got people to come together and say, how does this work in practice? You got consensus. Uh, I won't say we've gotten as far as consensus, but on most of the science, yes. And most of the science, we were able to get a consensus that this actually is a better way of doing things. Of course, you're dealing at, at almost at simultaneous time with public health, ideology, common sense, and economics. And, and uh, a plethora of countries, each of whom had its own perspective on what way it wanted to approach it. Which remains today. Which remains today, and probably one of the biggest uh, divisions you have is in the early days of the pandemic, m some countries, particularly in Asia, took the approach of isolation as a solution. And other countries said um, vaccines are going to be key. And what you're seeing, isolation is, of course, 
an ultimate way of doing it, but it's not viable for long term um, in a free society. It's not even viable in a police state for a very long time. So um, the the countries that relied on you're talking about Australia and New Zealand, uh, among others. Um, not only that, also in Northern Asia and in China and in Singapore and other countries you see isolation. Japan has tried that. Um, but in the long term, in order to have a free society, we are going to have to rely on another way of preventing it. And that way is becoming the combination of the vaccines and testing. And I think the cruise industry model is going to be a model that others will copy and become really an exemplar of how to deal with something like this. I'm sure you've heard these three words countless times and it angers you every time you hear them, floating Petri dish. Well, um, as I said, we relied on the science um, and not on the semantics, but that's exactly what some people said in their early day. And um, maybe in the early days, particularly when people said, if there's a case, keep everybody together. Well, actually, if the, the beauty of the solution that the cruise industry came up with was if there's a case, isolate that case. Identify those, those close contacts. Don't combine them. And if you do that, what you end up with is the situation we have today where we have a bubble where everybody inside the bubble is safe and if, in the rare case, somebody comes in to the bubble with the disease, they don't spread it. So we can take the R naught of the, of the cruise ship from a very high level to an infinitely small level. And so if there's a case, it doesn't spread very well. And that's the ultimate goal of epidemiologists and infectious disease specialists and virologists is is keep that R naught down, keep the spreading down. And so, again, I'm a believer in the science, but I'm a believer in facts. And the facts are that we have been carrying hundreds of thousands of people, and we've had very few cases, and those very few cases have been isol identified, isolated, their contacts traced, and it hasn't bothered the other guests. Well, I was on board the premier cruise of the millennium, uh, from St. Martin, I got off in Barbados, and that was a very good example of what you just talked about, where there was one or two cases, they identified them quickly, they isolated them, they were able to do the contact tracing, and there was no spread. Um, that was one of the very first cases in, in um, the Americas, and we had it was actually two people came down with it, their, con their close contacts were all tested, they tested negative, they were flown home. Um, uh, people got to fly home privately because we really took good care of them. Um, so you get is a, that part of your brochure now? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Uh, but we we have so few cases that we can afford to handle them with uh, extra care and take special care of them, and that was the objective. But as you say, two people had it, uh, hadn't it, and they had been vaccinated and they had been tested. But it's not a hundred percent perfect. But what is perfect is the ability to then isolate them, prevent a big outbreak, and um, get them home quickly. You know, we talked about all the connectivity and the economic chain of supporting the cruise industry. An overwhelming amount of your distribution comes from travel agents, travel advisors, and they got hit hard. Uh, they got hit very hard. Uh, not only were they spending an ordinate amount of time advocating for their for their clients just to try to get their money back, but they were receiving no income during that entire period of time. They weren't part of the, the government bailout program. They weren't on anybody's list. And you guys stepped up to the plate very early on and said, you know what, we're going to provide financial assistance if necessary to those travel agents. Well. The travel advisors have been key to our success as a company and as an industry for 50 years. Um, and um, It's part of your business model. It, it's a huge part of our business model. Um, and it's, it's both a question, we, we needed them to survive not only because it's the right thing to do to thank them for what they've done for so long, but we need them to be successful as we're going forward. Uh, and so 
Um, so you provided financial assistance. So we we did the, we paid the commissions. We ended up in some cases ending up effectively paying double commissions, um, and um, we did put in place a loan program for um, to be of some help. Um, our help was small in the total of the need. You know the the suffering that they've gone through, the effort that they went through. They had to keep their businesses afloat. They had to keep the relationships with their their uh, clients. Um, so it was a huge task, and I'm just so impressed that while there was suffering from from all of them, the travel advisor community has come through remarkably well under the circumstances. And they're still supporting it. And thank goodness they're still supporting us. And um, let me remind them, if they're listening to this, um, that there's lots more to come and we need this support in the future more than ever. Back in 2018, you had something like 49 ships. Now you've got over 63. Uh, other, other companies have retired ships. You have more on the way. Uh, do you have any issues about filling those cabins? Uh, I have no concern. Uh, we have grown during this period. I think it's actually a little slower than we originally expected because we have disposed of some vessels and um, we slowed down the construction process. But overall, um, I think the demand is absolutely enormous. People, people are tired of being locked up in their homes. They want to get out. They want to go to new places, uh, and and we're there for it. So. 2020 and 2021 are years I would like to forget about. Um, uh, 2022, we'll still have some of the reverberations from that, but already we're seeing a very strong demand, pent-up demand, and I think 2023 is really going to be a gangbuster year. I mean, we're doing this interview on board the Silver Sea Silver Moon, one of your newest ships, your newest ship, actually. They put on their 2022 and 2023 uh, world cruise. It, like, sold out. Wow, you know, it's just... And that's a, not an inexpensive ticket. <laughs> uh, and, and a huge deposit. Um, so it's amazing to see the demand for the New World Cruise, but also for all of our cruises. Once, once we've gotten through this and people see that it's actually starting, now there's still a bit of a fog about how many ships are starting and when they're going to start. So there's still a little confusion out there. We think that it's important to start the flywheel to show that it's there and so that cruising simply comes back into the habit of being normal and people aren't saying, well, are they going to be sailing and will that be happening? This is, this is my first naming ceremony since uh, the crisis started uh, and one of the things we're celebrating is the forward bookings for, for Silver Sea uh, over this period. You know, it's interesting when you think about the cruise industry being uniquely positioned, whereas other industries weren't. And that in right after 2001, 9-11, uh, you were the uniquely positioned to literally move your assets. Uh, nobody wanted to fly over a body of water after 9-11. So you literally repositioned your ships back to U.S. ports. Hotels couldn't do that, right? You're in a situation now where you're now repositioning ships to St. Martin, uh, to Greece, uh, to other locations where you have those opportunities where where the, where the environment is welcoming to you. I'm assuming you're now looking at ports that you never would have gone to before that are now open to you. You know, it's funny you say that because you, when you have to do things, sometimes you say, oh my God, why didn't we think of that before? And um, so new ports is one example of that, where we're, we're starting new itineraries and people are saying, wow, that's a really great itinerary. Um, on board the buffet, which everybody likes to talk about, um, where it's now being served to you instead of you picking up the tongs yourself. I wasn't, you know, that there wasn't that much of a difference. I wasn't sure how I'd like it. Actually, I think it's pretty cool. Actually, I'll tell you why I like it even better, because I'm not overloading my plate. Oh, oh, well, you and I are different because I am overloading it just as much as before. Uh, I, I had breakfast this morning and I was impressed that the, uh, the person behind the counter was, I asked for, I asked for some bacon um, and she not only gave me bacon, she sort of carefully selected the, the full pieces. I thought that was impressive. Gave you the whole pig, come on. <laughs> no, no, I'm not that piggish. 
<laughs> but the interesting thing is that that's just one of the changes that you never thought you'd ever do. But we've learned from it, and I suspect that for us that will be a permanent feature because independent of the health reasons, um, it's just better. Um, and what it means is the food ends up being a little bit fresher because we tend to have somebody write on it, and as, as the plate gets empty, they go, oh, I need another one of that. So I, I've actually found it better, and but for this pandemic, we wouldn't have thought of it. Although overall... I think as you take, I've now been taking these early cruises. I'm so excited to be actually back in operation. Um, it's a tough job, but I, know. I, I, I have to do it. It's remarkable. The comment I hear so often is, it's so normal. And yet we're dealing with uh, the politicization of masks. Where, you know, If you're in an airline right now, you'd have another issue, right? 3,200 incidents on the, uh, on, that the FAA reports on unruly disruptive passengers overwhelming number of those cases involving refusal to wear masks. You're not having that problem on cruise ships. Well, we're not, um, thank goodness. We First of all, we prepared for it. You know, what I have found is if you really prepare for something, it never happens. And um, if you really go in, in fear that something will happen, you take the steps to make sure it doesn't. So we make sure that uh, the crew are very well trained in how to explain things and how to work with people. Um, the masks are not here to stay, but while they're here, we want that to be an acceptable experience to everybody. Some of our cruises have masks, some don't. Uh, we have yet to have any incident. Um, with respect to th that. And I don't expect any because people understand it. Um, and in fact, most of the time it's not an issue. Most of the time you can be outdoors, for example, when you're in your room, when you're eating. So um, the period of time you're wearing a mask isn't so overwhelming and people understand it's part of the process. We have to get to next year when things will be back to normal. And as long as people understand that they're part of a process and the ultimate end of that process is positive, people will be cooperative with that. Let's get to that decision-making that you have that some are you know, vaccine mandatory, some are not. We're on a ship where vaccines are mandatory. That's the crew, that's the officers, and the passengers. Then we have the ideology issue in the state of Florida and other places where you have a crisis there of, of where the state is basically saying, if Richard Fain requires me to, to have a vaccination before I come on the ship, Richard Fain or Royal Caribbean gets fined $5,000 an incident. Well, first of all, I, I, have, to, um, uh, I have to say that we, we don't have a crisis of this. Um, we have issues. But, you know, we go to hundreds and hundreds of ports around the world and hundreds of governments, and everybody has slightly different answers. Um, what we have learned is the right thing to do is to work with, cooperatively with them, and eventually we end up coming out with, I think, um, quite reasonable outcomes. Uh, Governor DeSantis has been a very outspoken uh, advocate uh, for the cruise industry. He's worked hard for the cruise industry. He's been an outspoken advocate for vaccinations, um, and he's been an outspoken uh, advocate for the industry and how to bring these jobs back. Um, we do have this law in Florida. Um, which he supported and signed. Which he supported and signed, but which um, uh, we have to then work with, as we have with other places. But it, it's not a crisis. Um, it's an issue that we have to deal with, and we think we've dealt with very well. All right, so if the, I'm not vaccinated and want to go on one of your cruises where it's optional, but there are other requirements for me at that point. Well, and so... What we find is the vast bulk of our guests want to be vaccinated. Uh, and you knew that going in. And we knew that going in, and, the, and they are vaccinated. And if you want to come on and you, you've chosen not to be vaccinated, then okay, that's fine. Obviously, there are other protocols that come into play. You, you need to do more testing. Um, you need to wear masks more than you would otherwise. Um, and there are certain areas where we have set aside for vaccinated only. But basically, you can do it. But since the vast bulk of our guests uh, want to um, get vaccinated and don't want to be tested as frequently, et cetera, um, we're finding the numbers of people that fall into that exception are relatively small and um, keep us to still very high levels. Every single crew member on board is vaccinated. No matter what. No matter what. On any ship, no matter what. 
not 99%, 100% are vaccinated. And they're tested frequently. Fully vaccinated. But we also go beyond that. And so the result is that we're getting 90 somewhat percent um, averages of vaccinated all the time. Even on your bigger ships? Even on the bigger ships. And I don't expect that to change. And so um, obviously our preference would be to require vaccinations from everybody who can, um, but we will work with countries or governments, whether that's state or federal or some international that have differing points of view and we'll work with them because um, um, we have a good working relationship with the, the communities. That's very important to us. We're very proud of our role in supporting the communities that we work with. We support them uh, when they have problems. They support us when we have problems. Uh, we work together to find joint solutions. Unfortunately, not everybody agrees with me on every single subject. Um, that gets very touchy at home when my wife doesn't agree with me on every single topic. Um, but I ignore her mistakes then, and uh, uh, the same thing will but happen. You don't find her, but you don't find her $5,000. <laughs> but I, uh, I didn't know that was an option. Uh, but um, I'm sorry, I suggested it. <laughs> um, but we work with them, and uh, what we find is almost always Working together, we end up in a better place than um, fighting. Now, on some cruise lines, they say, okay, if you're not vaccinated, you can still come, but you have to show proof of medical insurance. You have to show proof of medical evacuation and repatriation insurance with coverage limits of 10000 or $30,000. Is that a good option? Yes, and, and we do that. Um, if you've chosen not to be vaccinated, obviously you need to make arrangements so that um, if the consequence of that is that you need to be flown home, et cetera, we want to make sure that you have the insurance coverage for that. So, so there we, goes Richard's private jet right there. You're not, you're not giving him a jet. <laughs> I wish I had a private jet. But, um, uh, but actually, one of the things that we've done is we have so few cases where somebody turns positive that by and large we are in fact sending them private jet rides home. Um, so some of the people have said, wow, this is one hell of an experience. Who expected that I was going to get uh, a private plane home? But um, we have so, you know, that is actually an interesting comment about this. The number of of COVID positive cases is so small that we can handle them in such an exceptional way that everybody says, wow, I mean, this is better than being on Main Street USA. And again, well, that brings up the next question because I find it somewhat refreshingly ironic that you go from the concept of floating petri dish to 100% vaccine compliance where you become probably the safest environment to be in. And, and I think it, it takes a while. We have, a, we, we have without set that out, it was a humbocious goal, but it was, a, we thought, a realistic one, and we think it, it still is. And um, so we're really proud of that. And we think that that attitude and that approach is something that others can, can use. We, we really want to be an exemplar for how we can work with government the, 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 the change is not only on what we've done, but the way we've worked with others. So the transformation of our relationship with the CDC is amazing. Um, and Because um, you had to educate them as to how you worked as well. Well, and being able to show the, them the facts, the experience we had with hundreds of thousands of cases outside the United States was transformational. So I'm a very big believer in data the data was overwhelming that we had a way of doing it and working together we they they made improvements to what we had we made improvements to what they suggested uh or not suggested that they put forward and um, the result was i think this is a model that other people can copy that we've gone from being um, something that people saw as incredibly risky to something that is incredibly safe you know, speaking of example, we're doing this conversation in Greece. Greece is one of the first countries to open to Americans, to open to cruising. Uh, what steps did they take that made the difference? Well, Europe set up the Healthy Gateway program. Uh, Greece set up um, special 
um, arrangements. For example, Greece, Cyprus, and, and Israel put together a green corridor where they said our people can go back and forth to each other. So they, they, they did essentially what the cruise industry did, which was start with the facts and see how can we use these facts to develop uh, protocols, restrictions, opportunities that opens it up. And the net result has been, it's been terrific for Greek tourism. I thought it was interesting that they put so much emphasis on vaccinating the, the tourist islands because tourism is such an important economic driver. So it was a thoughtful process. And I think um, so much of the discussion of COVID-19 has been driven by fear and panic. And what it should be driven is by data. It's a problem to be solved. And you look at the facts, and the facts are overwhelming. The number one area of complaint at the U.S. Department of Transportation was refunds. The inability of passengers, airlines, cruise lines, travel operators to get their money back when trips are canceled. You guys are certainly part of that complaint. What have you done now going forward to put in a system where that doesn't repeat itself? Well. Um, we've gone from a system where we were giving refunds uh, in the single digits of few refunds um, and maybe hundreds of refunds to where we were literally giving millions of refunds, not millions of dollars, millions of individuals. We were overwhelmed. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we had the situation where we were constantly changing what cruises were going to be there. Th if you think back, uh, 17 months, we all thought that the shutdown was going to be a short-term event. We had you know, a few months of having to shut down the ships while this got sorted out. And there was a progression of cancellations and changes and everything else. Um, and phone conversations or bookings, which previously were done within a few seconds, maybe a couple of minutes, became extended conversations about what are my opportunities. Um, and then we put in place the uh, Cruise with Confidence programs so people could know that they could cancel and they could extend it out. But then these phone calls became not a few minutes, but long 10, 20 minute conversations about what are all the alternatives. Uh, and our phone lines just got overwhelmed. Uh, it takes a long time to train up people. We never expected to be handling it at this scale. And the volume of, of information requirements and refunds just swamped us. And you know what happens, you get behind and then you get behind more. And so that was a real problem for us. Um, it was a real problem for the travel advisor community because they were often found themselves caught in the middle. And uh, so that was a, a terrible problem. But we got the refunds out to the people. We ended up getting it. Um, so in the beginning, we were uh, aiming for 90 days and 30 days. Now we're looking for even shorter. So um, um, it was a problem. And it, that problem will hurt us for a while because people remember that it angered people terribly and the remember all of this had to be done manually uh, one of the the nice things about computer systems is once you've programmed it it just does it automatically but we weren't able to program the, this kind of complexity in this kind of time frame so having to do it manually was a real problem I think um, we hope never again to have to deal with such massive numbers, but we are looking to find ways to automate it so that if we do have to deal with it again, we're in a better position to do so. You brought up the big C word, confidence. So what do you tell people now to, to give them the confidence that it's okay to cruise? Um, you know, I think this is, um, this is probably one of the biggest challenges the industry has. I think we have we have done a good job of making it safer for people to do so. Now we have to get that message across. A lot of that is by inviting people like you to come and see what we're actually doing. And you help us get the word out. I think that's a big um, burden, uh, but a big opportunity 
for the travel advisor community because they can get to see this, they can get to study it, and then they can give that expert advice to their, their clientele. Um, but the biggest thing we need to do is get the flywheel moving. Once the ship starts operating, people see it's operating, um, uh, they go back and talk about it being operating. We need this to be normal. And that's gonna take us a little while, but it's months, not years, in my view. And um, I think, um, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, as, as they say. And all of a sudden, we're eating. Um, we now have 24 vessels already operating. You know, in May, I had a look at it, and some people were saying, you know, probably not until October, November that the first ship will come back, and then maybe the second ship a month or so later. Here we are in July, and we've got literally dozens of ships already operating and more coming at a very rapid rate. So um, it's happened so quickly that I think it'll, it's taking the public time to absorb that, to realize it's going on. But pretty quickly, yeah, this is what's happening. This is normal, and um, and and the traveling public we're carrying hundreds of thousands of people a month, so they're going back and talking about it. The media is talking about it. The travel advisors are talking about it. The internet is talking about it, um, and I think the other thing is it's remarkable. I think people like a turnaround story. And when you've gone from cruising being so in inherently scary and risky to this is the safest place you can be, I think people find that a fascinating story. How we got there, I think, is a fascinating story. Um, and I, so I think that story is getting out there very quickly. Our survey show it is. And I think over the coming weeks and months, it's going to get out there very quickly. And our forward bookings uh, indicate that, too. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. My thanks to Richard. To say Harry Theo Harris is proactive might be an understatement. He was instrumental in getting Greece to open to tourism last May, and he's kept it open. Greece was first out of the gate as a European Union country to let Americans in. For Theo Harris, it was all about testing, protocols, vaccinations, and working with all the islands and ports in Greece and getting their own citizens vaccinated. Just after this conversation with the minister, there was a cabinet reshuffle in Athens, and Theo Harris was replaced as tourism minister. He's returned to being a member of parliament. But his words and his policies still resonate. Minister Theo Harris, thanks so much for joining us on the show. And consider the fact that you're joining us on a ship uh, Silver Sea, Silver Moon, uh, a brand new ship, but significant in that it's a ship with Americans cruising through Greece. Yes, you're right. The significance of uh, restarting of cruising, an industry that was particularly hard hit during this pandemic, is very, very important, both symbolically, but also really, it, it seems trust is returning. So it's, it's good for everyone overall. And what did you do to allow this to happen? Because we're still going through a lot of stuff in the United States particularly in the state of Florida, the state of Texas, about mandated for vaccines or not, who can cruise, who can't. That's not an issue here because you have other rules. Yes, we worked very, very uh, closely, but very hard as well, with our health experts to create those protocols for the whole of the cruising industry, not just for Greece and not just even for Europe, but uh, globally as well. We've also kept an open mind. We, we tried uh, many things. We did a lot of research in terms of vaccinated people, non-vaccinated, the mask wearing, etc., etc. And what did that tell you? Well, it told us that um, we can, if the ship is uh, close to fully vaccinated, 
vaccinated, you can never be 100%. If the ship is close to fully vaccinated, then you can allow um, not wearing of masks uh, aboard the ship. So, so those kind of rules, we had to work very closely, as I said, with our researchers, our doctors, our health experts. Uh, but at the same time, we, we um, imposed them uh, and with great, great results up to now. And of course, it wasn't just the ships, it was the ports. You had to deal with each individual island in its, on its own terms. We had to categorize each and every port to see the kind of role it will play both in good times and in bad times. What happens when you have a, a, a case aboard the ship? Uh, when do you offload it? Which port? What kind of facilities does the port have to have in order to deal with such an eventuality? And I'm guessing initially the answer was nobody had it. No, nobody. Of course, nobody had it. But we had to, as I said, categorize, uh, impose specific rules, not just for the ships, but for the ports as well, and then implement those rules because ports, uh, by and large, they are uh, governed by, by the, the government, they're a public entity. So, so we had to ensure that those things were in place in time. And you built those physical structures? We built the structures, but more, more importantly, we built the procedures. We built the kind of officers and the kind of uh, people responsible for handling each and every eventuality and what happens at, at uh, every step of the way. So, uh, as I said, the important thing was to, to uh, imagine the situation and then implement the kind of uh, imaginary procedures, drill them, uh, you know, test them and ensure that everything is in place. Now, for example, we're in Piraeus today, the port of Athens. Before I could get on the ship, I had to get tested. That was a rapid test, but I still had to do that over and above having a vaccination card from the United States or even having taken a PCR test to get here in the first place. I was very, very glad that they made no exceptions for ministers as well. So I had to get tested uh, as well. That means that the uh, cruise industry is taking this very, very seriously. And to be fair, I feel very, very confident and very, very safe when uh, a cruise company is implementing those rules because those rules are being implement, uh, implemented strictly with no exceptions and that makes me feel safe when I'm next to someone that I don't know. You were one of the first countries to publicly say we're opening back in May, right? And everybody else said, oh, you're jumping the gun, it's too soon. You were even in a lockdown situation then in Greece at that point, right? There was a curfew. You're right. Um, we started in January um, creating the plan, uh, urging everybody else to work with us in order to create the international COVID certificates that will be required for traveling. Then as we implemented the plans, we were confident enough in the beginning of March to say that we will open in mid-May. And of course, we will still, as you rightly say, in curfew. As a result, we had to create a whole reopening plan from 9th of March until the 14th of May, both internally and externally, in order to ensure that we were uh, at the point where we could uh, accept visitors. And what was the biggest challenge to do that? Coordination. There's too many agencies, too many um, issues. Too many cooks in the kitchen. You're right. And at the same time, a lot of fear. Um, this, you know, um, the good thing was that this was the second year of the pandemic. So we had a lot of knowledge. Doctors knew more. Uh, it wasn't like last year. Last year was much more difficult in terms of the insecurity that our health experts uh, felt making decisions. But this year, we capitalized on the new tools as well. We capitalized on vaccinations. We capitalized on rapid tests. This allowed, uh, like the process we felt today, the rapid test process, to allow boarding in an efficient manner. Of course, I like to say the worst four-letter word in travel that starts with F is fear. And you You're still right. have to mitigate that. That hasn't gone away. No, it hasn't. But uh, we're actually taking fear and converting it into care. Uh, we, we have to, to make something good out of this. And the good thing is that we, we feel that caring, which is the heart, the core of the traveling and touristic experience, and normally caring is about, you know, a cold drink on a hot summer day or a pillow behind uh, in, in your back uh, when you're sitting. Now it's a lot about caring about your health. So it's, it's implementing those protocols with no exceptions, with no cutting corners, because I care uh, for, for your health. So this is, I think, the core of the message that we're trying to convey. And do you think that's going to become a permanent <coughs> part of the travel process? Some of it, not all of it. Uh, I think uh, the experience of 9-11 uh, tells us that those security measures that uh, were uh, <laughs> implemented uh, back then, not as strict as they were in the beginning, are still with us. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll see some travel uh, measures uh, related to safety staying with us for a long time. 
you know, it's interesting when I see what other countries are doing, and the problem is everybody's acting solo, right? There's not a lot of coordination. Italy now has a pass that you, if you get the pass, you can go to museums and restaurants. France is thinking about that. Is that the kind of pass that you're thinking about? Well, we're doing something similar for mass um, events, uh, uh, concerts, concerts, and uh, um, uh, and also the indoor uh, activities uh, in the bars or even the restaurants. So we we have this for for uh, the places where it's actually very um, easy to contract the the disease, uh, but we don't have it for every everyday uh, life. Uh, to go to the beach, to be outdoors, to eat outdoors at the restaurant, and there are many many. Uh, places in Greece that uh, you can eat outdoors. So, so we we implement a mixing approach in order to ensure that we um, um, we have a, uh, we preserve the core of the experience. You just had a situation in Mykonos, right, where you where you stop the music. Yes, you're right. We're not afraid to take difficult, uh, in economic terms, decisions if we are to protect the health of our visitors, but of our citizens as well. Mykonos was a special case. There was a lot of, uh, um, you know, partying and, and fun on one side, but on the other side, there's, uh, there was a bit of letting down of the rules. We wanted to send the message that uh, the, the kind of vigilance on the protocols and on the rules uh, will not be compromised during the summer. And of course, it's all about communicating to your counterparts in other countries, because it's one thing for an American, let's say, to come to Greece. But now if that same American wants to do what the Americans used to do all the time, and, and basically boots, bootstrap that with another country, all of a sudden we're dealing with different rules all the time. Yes, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, fragmentation, and we haven't reached the point of maturity yet where this fragmentation um, coalesces to something uh, simpler for the average traveler. The good thing is that Europe has some kind of uh, continuity, some kind of uh, rules, but not everything is on par in terms of uh, how things are being implemented. Um, this is something we have to uh, live with. Uh, we are now moving uh, to a different phase of the of the disease. You know, there's a lot of uh, cases in the fourth wave, but not a lot of hospitalizations. Um, this is more and more the disease of the unvaccinated and of the young people. So we need to see how this um, changes things and how what we have to change in, in our attitude. Have the vaccines essentially taken death off the table? Uh, more or less. Um, the vaccines have uh, provided the option to take the death off the table, but we still have a lot of people refusing to get vaccinated or being skeptical about it or just not, um, um, you know, they, they let it for, for a, a bit of later on because it doesn't suit their, their calendar or whatever it is. Um, I think the message to those people is that you're only harming yourselves. Uh, this is not anymore a social issue because your guy next to you has the option to get vaccinated as well, so it's every man for himself. Um, so we would urge everyone to um, get vaccinated because um, this disease spreads so quickly that it will not stop until it reaches you. You know, it's interesting. On this particular ship, uh, you can't be on this ship unless you're fully vaccinated. That, that applies to the officers, the crew, and the passengers. Does that apply to all the cruise ships in, in Greece? Uh, no, it's it's not a rule that the, the um, all the passengers have to be vaccinated, but if um, um, cruise ships uh, choose to do so, then this is allowed by the rules. Uh, but we do allow a mixed um, um, shipping with stricter rules than the ones that uh, you know uh, fully vaccinated uh, cruising uh, has. Yeah, because in the United States, uh, Carnival and Royal Caribbean, which is the parent corporation of this line basically says, oh yeah, if you want to take a cruise with us and you're not vaccinated, you've got to provide proof that you're carrying $10,000 worth of medical insurance and $30,000 worth of medical evacuation and repatriation coverage. They're basically saying, you get sick, you're paying for it. Well, um, this is not what we are saying, uh, both for uh, passengers in cruise ships and um, tourists in general. We're saying that our health system is a strong system, uh, certainly much stronger bef than before the pandemic, and we are confident that we will cover any eventuality if you need any hospitalization as far as COVID is concerned. So we are providing free of charge um, uh, COVID coverage within Greece through the national health system. So, so this is uh, our guarantee, if you like, our pledge uh, to the customer. Because so many uh, travelers may not be talking about this, but they're thinking about it, right? I don't want, as much as I want to go to Greece or anywhere else for that matter, I don't want to get somewhere and not be able to get home because 
something happens, I get stuck. Yes, yeah, you're right. We're also providing uh, accommodation free of charge if people are found positive, whether that's coming into Greece or going out because they have to be tested before they go back to the home country. So, so all in all, we we provide the basic, uh, the basis, if you like, to, to, to make a decision to come to Greece, um, ensuring that when, if the uh, thing turns uh, sour because of a, a COVID um, um, disease, that uh, they have nothing to fear. You know, there's the big R word, reciprocity. Right now, most of your fellow countrymen and countrywomen can't go to the United States, right? We have not relaxed those restrictions. Yes. So it's been a one-way street here. Yes, and it's remarkable that we have uh, nine daily flights plus the Emirates won ten daily flights uh, from the U.S. to Greece uh, being supported only by the one-way tickets and, of course, the return tickets when their vacation finishes. Uh, so uh, we feel... But that's not sustainable. It's not. That's why we feel that uh, this is a welcome decision. Uh, this decision uh, made no sense before. Uh, you had third countries in a worse epidemiological position being allowed to go to the U.S., but not Schengen countries. So this, this did not make uh, much sense. It was more based on politics. So we're still waiting for that, that decision? Yes, we're still waiting for that and we're hoping that this is close by. President Biden alluded to, to the um, process being in, in the pipeline. He so did and then it got shut down. Well, we have, to, we have to wait and see. And hope, I hope that uh, this decision will come uh, because it makes, as I said, no um, health uh, sense. It's only uh, political as far as I can see. Well, speaking of politics, just two days ago, the United Kingdom announced that if you were fully vaccinated, you can now go to the United Kingdom without being vaccinated, uh, without being quarantined. Yes, I think this is a, a sound decision. Um, it made no sense uh, to, to not allow vaccinated people um, uh, freedom of movement. You know, it also dilutes the message that we want to send to our people that if you get vaccinated, you will return back to normality. So please do not stay unvaccinated. So so if you want to push people to get vaccinated, then why do you restrict them still? You're also saying maybe that it's in the back of your mind that there's still something wrong with vaccines. They still do not allow you to go back to full normality. So I think this is the right decision. Uh, certainly it will go a long way to uh, restoring normality for, the, for those people. And as we navigate these still uncharted waters, is there ever going to be a vaccine passport? Well, we do have this uh, certificates, uh, which are not just vaccine, the, the recovery as well, certificates and negative, negative tests. Is that EU or Greece? Well, both. Uh, we implemented it, first country, but we also pushed the other countries to work with us and create an EU uh, green, digital green uh, certificate. And uh, I'm very glad to say that in record time, co compared to Brussels, uh, in record time, we're ready, uh, ready to, with this, uh, implement it. And as you begin to reach out, and as Americans begin to flood the zone, Americans, you know they're coming. Yes. We're here. Yes. Um, Welcome. Sure. <laughs> but, I, but at the same time, you know, we were just at a hotel in Athens that was running 70 to 80 percent occupancy, and it was a majority of Americans. Yes. It, that had not happened in 17 months. No. It, it, and I'm, I'm very, very sad that we couldn't, couldn't implement it uh, earlier, but uh, better, uh, you know, late than never. Um, in the sense that um, we feel that the, the relationships with the airlines, with the cruise lines, with the, the um, operators of tourism um, is now much, much uh, stronger because we have worked together. We're um, fixing problems together. We're flagging problems to each other to ensure that uh, we keep everyone um, uh, and all the procedures in place in the right way. So I think uh, the fact that we are managing to find success now during this time, uh, both well for uh, for the future. Now, of course, in the past, traditional success was defined by numbers, right? Numbers of visitors, average number of stay, how much they're going to spend per day, etc., etc. That's out the window now, right? Yes, it is out the window. Well, at least for some people that um, um, feel that this is not the the number one priority, and certainly it's the I'm quality one of them. Yes, it is a quality because the quality now is about the health. This is not about whether the, the, the drink is the right one and the mixing uh, was done in the right way. This is about your health. So, so you cannot compromise on quality now. And also quality is the passport for a success, uh, successful years to come. So, so this, is, this is the number one priority for us. Do you feel that the, 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 the travelers who are visiting you now are less interested in the destination as they used to be and more interested in the process about 
you know, how clean is my room, you know, how sanitized is the, is the cruise cabin, things like that? No, no, this is about the whole destination. Uh, this is about the authenticity. They have more time, because that's what the circumstances allow now. They have more time, so they want to explore different things, but at the same time, they want to feel safe throughout the journey. So this is not just about, um, this is door to door. So, so if it's a cruise industry, then it's uh, sort of uh, simpler, if you like. But also they want to feel the same way when they do excursions uh, at a destination. Or if they go to a destination, stay in a hotel, take uh, the bus, uh, uh, go out uh, to eat, they want to feel safe throughout this uh, journey. So this is, this is uh, very holistic in the approach and this is what you have to do nowadays. But of course, speaking of the numbers, let's go back to January of 2020. What was the word that was on the table? Over-tourism. Everybody was talking about it. It was topic A among ministers yes. uh, like yourself. Um, and, and Greece was toying with the idea of, okay, how do we extend our season so people will come in October and November and March and April and not just June, July and August? And I was very, very glad. In January, we were up 23%. In February, up 22%. So I was uh, hoping that the shoulder months, well, both were going to carry some of the burden because the head carried <laughs> most of the burden in our uh, touristic season. But at the same time, this was a very good sign for the year to come. Unfortunately, COVID it hit us, we have to rebalance our priorities, we have to rethink uh, what we're doing, but we should not, and this is if you like one of the lessons, we should not uh, let go of the long-term strategic imperatives. Uh, the strategic realignment of our products is now something that we have to focus more, because I think the, the megatrends will actually in many cases uh, be faster and, and quicker in, in terms of their implementation. I remember every time I come to Athens, and I'm sure you've done this too, I go to the Grand Britannia, a legendary hotel, not far from your office, Yes. and I go up to the rooftop bar, which is everybody goes up to that rooftop bar to look out at the Acropolis, right? Okay. Yes. But if you bring binoculars, what do you see? Lines of people going up, like ants, right? Are we going to get rid of the ants? Meaning, mm -hmm. have you figured out a way to make it a, a better experience? without all the crowds, because it's this double-edged sword. You need people to come, right? There's the economic issue, but at the same time, there's the experience. Yes, you're right. Um, now, there are some things, I mean, the, the capacity of the Acropolis or any other site is a very specific capacity. So you, we cannot I increase it uh, overnight or there's not e easily, uh, in some cases, cannot be increased. So it's more about managing the flows. It's more about uh, extending the hours or allowing visitors to come um, in a staggered sort of way and in a different kind of uh, flow management techniques. Or sometimes is to create other um, uh, sightseeing, uh, uh, you know, sites or uh, varieties that will spread the flow in, in many, many ways. So, but this is an ongoing effort. You, you cannot say that I've done it, I've finished, Athens is done, let's move on to another city. This is not the way it works. Every time you're um, good at, it's almost like uh, Heisenberg's uh, uncertainty, the more uh, you're successful, the more people will come because the experience is good and then the more cluttered the whole uh, situation will be again and you have to do more in order to uh, catch up. So it becomes a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, it's not negative. This is, this is part, of, uh, part of the uh, success. Uh, uh, if uh, you're not successful, uh, then you have no cues, but you have no visitors as well. So, so as um, some, some experience is good, uh, more people know about it, there's a spread of the word, and more people come, and then you have to manage those people. This is uh, part of life. Well, speaking of managing people, we have a situation in America with the labor force not going back to work. Uh, restaurants can't get enough people to work, hotels can't get enough people to work, airlines can't get enough pilots right now or flight attendants. Uh, you know, the WTTC, the WTTC talks about 62 million jobs around the world at risk. What's the situation in Greece? Are people back at work? I'm not glad to say that it's exactly the same. Um, uh, this is something that happens in the US, it happens in Europe, it happens in Greece. Um, we see uh, a very trans transitory uh, period. We have a lot of support programs still in place. Um, those programs create incentives for people uh, not to work. Also, some people have uh, seen 
um, a precariousness during those uh, uh, year, uh, years of the pandemic, and they've decided to, to make uh, you know big changes in terms of their career. So that creates a lot of uh, labor flows and a lot of changes in the labor market, and those changes manifest themselves in supply uh, or demand uh, um, changes. And it takes you that much longer to catch up. You're right. I mean, we saw one survey in the United States that 40% of the workforce was considering leaving their current location. Yes, uh, I mean, th those are life decisions that uh, a crisis forces upon us. Um, so they're easier to make during the crisis. Um, and this has been a very, very acute but also prolonged crisis. We, we shouldn't forget that this is a crisis with uh, big spikes and it takes a long time. So it's not 100 meters, it's not marathon, but a combination of both. And it's not, it's like not an easy thing. It feels like a marathon. Uh, yes, but at a, a pace which is sustainable at 100 meters pace. So this is, this is not an easy thing to, to um, you know, go through. Spoken like a true Olympic athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. When you think back to the last 18 months, What's the overriding lesson you've not only learned, but you've been able to apply? Well, um, many, many lessons actually. But um, the most important one is that we have to be clear in our message. This is the most important one. But in order to be clear in your message, you must have a message to give. And that message must be well planned and well implemented because it doesn't make sense if I say, hey, we're open and then nothing works in the country. Then actually the damage that I will do to my country will be much, much worse. So first plan, then implement. You cannot avoid the first step. You cannot avoid the second step. But when you know what you're going to be doing, communicate it clearly and let the world know. And right now you're letting the world know that Greece is open. Greece is not just open, it's open for a few weeks now and everything is going according to plan. So we're waiting for you, your friends, your loved ones to come to Greece. My thanks to now former Minister of Tourism, Harry Theo Harris, and to Richard Vane. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just log on to petergreenberg.com. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.